looking this morning in Philippians chapter, chapter 1, we're wrapping up. We're going to keep going through Philippians and, and uh, looking at a couple of uh, big ideas from each chapter there. Uh, Philippians is a, um, a, a letter that Paul wrote to Philippi while he was in jail um, for sharing the gospel. Um, could have been, pro- probably he was in, in Rome at this time, towards the end of his ministry, that he wrote this uh, letter to a church that he had helped to start in Philippi, as I've uh, been doing and learning a little bit more about what that community looked like um, and what it was, that it was a place, you know, when Paul in the book of Acts, when he would go into a, a town or a city, he would almost always start at, at the synagogue. Right, he would go to the synagogue and he would preach uh, there and teach there and ask questions and answer questions. Um, and in Philippi, there was no Jewish synagogue. They had a place of of, of designated for prayer, uh, but there was not a synagogue. And so he started this church. Um, God grew this church, and he would later write this letter back to this church that he had helped start. So we opened in in chapter one. Uh, we looked at God brings things to completion. Last week for Mother's Day, we looked at the perspective of, of love um, and the encouragement of love. And then today, uh, we're going to continue uh, in verse 12. And this is what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly, to be sure some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Verse 18 says, What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Paul here is is giving us a great encouragement, giving the church at Philippi great encouragement and also a great challenge. All right, so just like I, I shared with the kids about unfairness, right? He faced imprisonment for sharing the message of Jesus, and yet his perspective is so different. Number one this morning is that God can use Every person, every situation, he can use everything for his glory and our good. All right? It doesn't matter what it is. A situation can be good 
or bad. It can be ugly or pretty. God and the people can be ugly or pretty too, okay? God can use every person in every situation for his glory, God's glory, that's what's happening here, and our good. God can do that because God is God. Paul understood this. He, he looked at the situation and he understood that, hey, here I am in prison and I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. And what happened? Some of the guards, we read about that in, uh, in Acts, some of the guards gave their life to Jesus as he would often be in prison for sharing the name of Jesus. He would continue to do what God had called him to do. He didn't see it as a hindrance. He said, actually, that even some of the other believers, he says, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord for my imprisonment. When I look at Paul's attitude in this, I see that Paul recognized that it wasn't about him. It was about God's big plan. It wasn't about Paul, it was about God's amazing and big plan, and Paul saw that there was opportunity no matter what his circumstance was. How often do we just complain about our circumstances, right? How often do we face something that might be unfair? How often do we face something where we know that we should have got that, or we should be there, or, or that shouldn't have happened to me? How often do we face those circumstances that seem kind of unfair to us or unpleasant to us? How often do we just sit in those circumstances and complain? Often. Often if we're honest, right? Something bad happens, oh man, you wouldn't believe how bad my day has gone. Church, when we look at Paul's letter here, you need to, to take note. When he saw something happen to him, he focused on the right thing, which was an opportunity to share Jesus with, no, with whoever was there, whoever would listen. It didn't make it easy, you know, and you, and you study up about what, it, what, what prison or jail might look like. It wasn't like it is today, okay? It was not nice. It was not comfortable. It was not, you know, I'm going to a place to preach the gospel. Let me see if they have any room at the jail where I can go and, and, and spend the night, right? That wasn't... That wasn't the case. I think the, 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 the case of being at a, a house arrest was actually probably the best of it that, that he would face, right? But he didn't, he, nobody says, you know what, I want to be locked up. I want to be in prison. And yet Paul found himself there, and instead of complaining about it, he continues to proclaim the gospel and then even sees that God uses it in a bigger way than he ever imagined. That's his perspective on something bad. Our role is to recognize that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. That's tough to get to. Whenever we're facing unfair circumstances or whenever something unfair happens to us, our tendency and our human selfish self is to say, man, poor, poor me, right? I've got it bad. Paul saw something much greater than that. Our role is to recognize it's not about me, but it's about God's big plan. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, chapter 13. He writes this, he says uh, later on after, after the love is patient part, love is kind, he, he gets to this. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. 
When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He's talking about one day, what we see today as God's plan. One day we'll get to see the full plan, the, the, the big picture. You know, the mirrors in Paul's day were not like mirrors we have today, right? You go look in the mirror, and maybe, maybe some of us would be better off. I was thinking about mirrors. Maybe some of us would be better off without mirrors, honestly, right? Think, because the mirrors in Paul's day, we gotta, don't raise your hands if you would rather have no mirrors at your house. But in Paul's day, in Paul's day, remember, they didn't go down to Walmart or the, the department store to get a mirror to put in their house. They didn't go to Home Depot to get a mirror in their bathroom. They had some shiny, like, uh, basically, imagine your mirror was like aluminum foil, right? Some shiny metal. They would polish up a, a, a piece of metal and you, you'd see a reflection. Or you'd go down and maybe see your reflection in the water. That was as good of a mirror as they had. They didn't have a, a selfie, right? They didn't have a, a camera, um, they didn't have any of that. And so the idea of seeing your own reflection, think about that. The idea of seeing your own reflection was, was foreign to these people. They knew kind of what they would, imagine that. They knew kind of what they looked like, but they never had, had seen an action, you know, they'd never seen a photograph of themselves or a video of themselves, or they, they never had seen a clear uh, mirror image of themselves and so Paul uses that and he says you know right now we see in this dim mirror this foggy mirror this 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 poor reflection but one day we'll get to see the full picture of God's plan one day the stuff that you're going through the circumstances the health issues that you're facing that your family's facing the job issues that you that you come into contact with and and that you walk through all those things that seem like, why is this happening to me? We've got to have a God perspective on those things and say, one day, God's plan will make sense. And that one day might not be here on earth. It might be in the presence of God. But God does have a big, grand plan. And, and you know, that's so important, isn't it? Because so often we go into these circumstances that we face and instead of yielding to God's perspective and to the big picture of, of, of what's taking place, we go to our, our human self and we kind of throw, throw ourselves a pity party, don't we? And we say, man, I'm just, this is just so bad. I'm, everything's against me. Paul had every right to be frustrated. And maybe his sinful nature was, but what he wrote was God-focused. His message was God-focused. He saw the God work taking place in a bad situation. Number two this morning, the goal is advancing the gospel to all people. That's the goal. That's what he writes here. He says, um, he says in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, advance the gospel. Now you're going to see this same kind of word in the Greek word there for advance means progress. And you'll see this used, Paul uses this word a few times in Philippians. We're going to come to it here in just a moment, he uses it again. But he sees the big picture. He says the big goal is to advance the gospel of Jesus. 
Folks, that's still the goal for us today, isn't it? To, the, the, the gospel would be advanced and progressed to all people. He says in verse 18, he says, what does it matter? What does it matter? He, he, says, he says this about people who had been preaching with false motives. Now, when you get to thinking about that, that could mean a few uh, different things. It could mean, um, it could mean that they had kind of added to the gospel. It could mean that they were trying to get people to come uh, not to just Jesus, but back to uh, being uh, Jewish, right? And all the, uh, the law. And, and, he, and he says, he says, what does it matter? Are they, are they proclaiming the gospel and God's using it to save people? Then I'm okay with that part of it. Maybe some of the people that were preaching the gospel were saying bad things about Paul, Right? We're, we're trying to say, well, I'm better than Paul, or Paul's not really a great guy, or all these things. It doesn't matter. What he says, what he says is so good for us, because he, he goes, he says that he knows that some people preach out of love, um, and then others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that it will cause me trouble, Paul, while in prison. But verse 18, he says, what does it matter only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Paul says, hey, are you preaching Jesus? I'm going to rejoice in that. For me today, I'll tell you, man, when I talk to other churches and other pastors, I ask a couple of real simple questions. Are you preaching salvation by Jesus? Is there one true God? Are you preaching the Bible? If, if we can start there, there's a lot that we can agree on. We're not always going to agree on, on everything, but, but we're going to, if, if we got that down at the foundation, we're going to agree on more things than we probably think. You know, uh, we have some pews right now that we're trying to help find a home for, all right? If you know a church that needs some pews, we have some pews that we're going through that, that process. And I got a really interesting call from a, from a, a Pentecostal church of some sort in Oklahoma, right? And this guy was, his, his words were, were um, that, that their, their pews were wore out, is what he said. And the pews were wore out, he said, we had one collapse on Sunday. And I said, brother, we got a pew for you, man. You just bring the guys, we, we will replace that pew, you come, you come, come and get it. And, and, and I asked him that question, I said, I said, well, I said, I don't even know everything about your church, but do you, do you preach the name of Jesus, salvation by Jesus? And he said, oh, brother, yes. I said, do you preach the Bible? And he said, yes. And I'm good with that. I'm, I, we, we agree on a lot of things. Now, how their service is and how our service is, it's probably going to be totally different, right? How we do things and how they do things is different. But I want to tell you something. I can rejoice that they're doing something good at that church because they're preaching Jesus, and I'm okay with that. Paul's okay with that. He says, hey, we might not agree on everything. You might have even talked bad about me, but you know what? God's going to use it for what God's going to use it for. There might be even people that preach the gospel for selfish motives. Their motives are not even rooted in Jesus, in God, how big he is, how great he is. He can even use those people. That's what Paul's saying here. He can use us, he can use the gospel even if it gets out there with bad motives. God can take it and use it. Does that mean we ought to be preaching out of bad motives? No, that's not what he says. He says, I rejoice that even God is using bad motives, though, 
to, to spread the gospel and the news of Jesus. And he says, what does it matter? Now, here's what I want to tell you. Let's just, let's just imagine this, because the more, the more you're a leader, the more, especially Paul, the more he's out there proclaiming the, the message of Jesus, the more critics he, he had. The more people were there, and, and as the spotlight is on him in a place, there's people in the side saying, well, he doesn't really need to be up there doing that, or he's doing it wrong. There were people that were critical of Paul everywhere that he went because that's sinful human nature. The more you stand up and share something, the more critics you're going to attract. So he no, no doubt had critics, and I want to tell you something he didn't do in his letter here. He didn't, in, in other places, he's going to list off the names of people who got it right and some people that got it wrong, but he didn't go through a list of all of his critics. He very well could have. He could have said, well, this guy said this about me, and he, he's wrong. This guy said this about me, and he's wrong, too. What Paul chooses to say here is he says, hey, whatever the reason is, whatever the purpose is, Jesus is proclaimed, and I rejoice in that part of it. He doesn't, he doesn't say what they said is right. He doesn't even mention their names. And I want to tell you, there's something to be learned in what Paul doesn't put in there. He doesn't put their names in right here. You know, sometimes we like to put people's names in, don't we? Right? Somebody says something against you, or somebody says a different idea than you, or, or maybe y'all have, you know, a family member, or maybe even a spouse, right? Where y'all have different opinions, and you choose the one opinion, um, and, and, and it goes forward, and then all of a sudden it goes bad, and, and somebody says, well, why did y'all choose to do that? And you cross your arms, and you say, well, it was somebody else's idea, wasn't it, right? Have you ever experienced that in your, in your relationship, and with your spouse, where and that never ends good, does it, guys, right? Somebody had the bright idea to do this, right? And it wasn't me. Never ends good. Paul doesn't do that. He focuses on the gospel, and he does not list out and condemn and even mention their names. He prays God for the gospel going forward. That word advancement means progress, moving forward, and ad forcefully advancing forward not sitting idly by the uh the the drug penicillin and and i bet uh oh oh brother mark tackett could probably tell us the whole story of penicillin i looked it up there's a guy alexander fleming who accidentally put penicillin together um and figured out that it was helpful and he, he started working on it and studying it, and there were other people who developed it into one of the drugs uh, that has been used to heal all sorts of infections. Is that right, Mark? Am I, am I close? Okay, he gives me the nod. And it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a drug. In fact, I'm allergic to penicillin, okay? I'll say that. But there some, some people, uh, and so is my daughter, were allergic to penicillin, just in case. But penicillin, when you go get strep throat, it's one of the, the drugs that's prescribed for that uh, uh, bacterial infection and, and all the, I don't know all the fancy terms, but you've heard of penicillin. Well, he saw, the man who came up with this, he saw a great opportunity for this to help millions and millions of people, which it has saved millions and millions of lives. And instead of taking the patent and putting it in his name and his estate, where the focus would be on him, he took the patent, and I believe he put it into uh, the, the U.S. and British government's name. He gave it to be used 
for the greater good. And it is used even today for the greater good. He said, uh, this is something that I could benefit from, but I don't want to benefit from it selfishly, so I'm going to let other people take it and get it out there. And that's why it was able to be studied and able to be processed and given out to millions and millions of people because of his decision to do that. Had he hung on to it, he would have made a lot of money off of it. But not as many people would have access to it. The gospel is like that, forcefully advancing. No matter what it takes, that's the goal, is that the gospel would go forward. That's the heart of Paul. That's his message that we're reading about today, that the gospel of, of advancing and going forward and making progress would be our goal. Number three, Paul had a big picture faith. I want to keep reading on here, and I'm going to go back to verse 20. We read this again and continue down just a little further. It says, Paul writes, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, and he says, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, if you're an underliner in your Bible, this is a good one to underline. He says this, for to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, what an incredible statement. He's in jail. He would eventually go to give his life for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he sheds light on this perspective. He says, now if I live, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work. For me, fruitful work means that it's going to produce more believers, more mature disciples. I'm going to be in the in the the disciple making business where I'm going to see the fruit of God working in my ministry. All right, that's his expectation. If I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. He says, "I am torn between the two. I long to depart." And be with Christ, which is far better. I long to depart from this earthly life, this place where I'm imprisoned, this pain that I'm, I'm carrying with me, this, this broken world. I long to depart from this world because I know that I'm going to be with Christ. And he says, he says, which is far better. We're going to come back to that. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. To depart from the flesh is, is to go and be with Jesus, but to remain in the flesh is necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain, I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress, that's that same word, advancement, for your advancement, your progress and joy in the faith, so not just the progress of the gospel, but also of the individual disciples, that they would keep going forward and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Let's stop right there. He says a couple of things. First of all, he says to be with Christ is better. You know, we, we live in this world, and there are many, many blessings in this world. Amen? 
There are many good things. We hear these kids and see these kids. Aren't those a blessing to, to watch these kids grow? It is such a joy to have our family and our friends and to see the goodness of God, to see God grow kids up, to see God bless people, to see God change hearts from death to life. There are many, many good things, but we need to remember this, church. To be in the presence of God is better. This world that we live in right now, as good as it may seem, and I want to tell you, the world tries so hard to say, this is it. This is the best. What you have right now, the things you have, the home you have, you're there. It's the best. And I want to remind us, it is better in eternity with Jesus. And we got to remember that perspective. Because the world will, will say, it is so good. And there are good things. There are beautiful things. But Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, for all of eternity, is better. And Paul understood that. And Paul knew that where he was going was better than where he was. And we need to remember that today. Where we're going as Christians is better than where we are today. No matter what the, the, the circumstances, how good they are, Jesus' circumstance and eternity with him is always in so much better. So much better. If we hang on to even good things and we say, this good thing is my goal. This good thing is my family. This is it. This is, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to protect my family and hang on to my family. I want to tell you something. Your circumstance will eventually cause you to break hold of some of that or all of that at some point, And you are going to be left devastated. Your treasure, our treasure is not is as good as, as our things like family and kids and the friends that we have and the church family. As good as those things are, that's not the best. And that's a perspective that Paul had that we need to have too. That with Christ, to be with Christ is much greater and much better. Sometimes we understand that. When we lose somebody that we love or we go through pain like Paul where, where he was locked up and had a thorn in his flesh and he, and he often was even beaten, right? He understood the, the, the pain of the world. And we go around the globe and we can go to places right now where people don't live comfortably. You can go to the history book and you can look back at World War II and other places in history where people for the sake of Jesus... And for the name of Jesus, right? We know that Christians were imprisoned in World War II, uh, even, even as uh, the Jews were imprisoned in, in World War II. There were, there were people for the name of Jesus that were locked up. Uh, as people went through that, they understood how broken and bad the world was. And they looked at that easier than we look at it today when life seems sometimes to be comfortable for us. Sometimes when we're comfortable, we need to be reminded that the life in eternity with Jesus is always going to be better than anything we have on this earth, in this body. Jesus and being with Jesus is always better. He also says this, Paul also says this, he says, he says uh, I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary 
Man, what a profound, profound statement Paul gives us. I long to be with Jesus. I know that it's better. It's far better. But to be here in this world right now doing what I'm doing is necessary. Your life today, your ministry today, your relationships today, your advancement of the gospel today, our advancement as a church of the gospel today, our advancement of the gospel as a group of Christians globally today is necessary. It's necessary that you keep going. That's what Paul's message is. It's necessary for him to be here so that he can minister to these people, and it's necessary for us to keep going and advancing the gospel. It's better to be with Jesus, but it's necessary for us to be right where we're at today. You have people all around you that you need to advance and, and progress the gospel to and push the gospel to. You have people that we're praying for. You have people that are on your heart. And you have opportunities to do that. As Christians, that's what we're called to do. To, we know that to be with Christ is better, but to be in the world, to be ministering in a broken world is necessary. Our prayer for the for uh his, his prayer for the church, Paul's prayer for the church and his hope for the church, there he closes with, he says that you're, you're boasting in Christ. We looked a little bit a uh, couple weeks ago about part of his prayer. He says here that his hope is that their boasting in Christ may abound. Their boasting in Christ may abound. That as we set our, our eyes on eternity, right, we know that's where we're headed as a as a believer in Jesus, but yet we're here because it's necessary for us to live as Christians in this world. Our boasting in Christ may abound. And I want to close with that. Are you boasting in Christ? Are you sharing more and more about how good Jesus is in your life? Because that's what Paul's hope was here, right? That they're, as, they, as they go through this life, as they minister to one another, as they're encouraged by his letter, that they're boasting in Christ may abound. I pray this, this week that your boasting in Christ as a believer may abound. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, there might be somebody here as they, as they hear this message and they say, well, what is this advancing of the gospel? They say, I don't know the gospel. I don't know what they're talking about here. I've heard about God, but I've never responded to God. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here this morning that, that needs to respond to your love for the first time they know about you but they don't know you personally when we dismiss this service that they would come right here to the front when we have this last song they would come right here to the front and just say i need to know more about following jesus i need to know what it means to be a true christian today you'd give them the courage to come in this last song and meet me here right after the service and meet me here at the front for others in here who are walking with you lord we read that our boasting may increase. I pray that when we leave this place, when we go forth from here, we would take this word of encouragement to the church at Philippi and we would live it out. That we would boast more and more to the world around us that says, hey, we got good things here, but, but where I'm going is far greater, is better. But it's necessary for me to be where I'm at. Lord, I pray that you would burden our 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 hearts this morning sometimes we want to say why did this happen to me 
Why am I in this position? Why am I here? Why is this taking place? Remind us that it's taking place because it's necessary for us to be part of a fruitful advancement of the gospel in this world. Lord, I pray lastly this morning, there be some people in this room get to lead somebody to Jesus this week. You would put that on our heart and open the doors, and as we go forth and we are advancing the gospel, we would see our job as a necessary at our workplace, at our family, on our t-ball team. Whatever opportunity comes up, Lord, you would help us to be ready to boast about God and to present the gospel to people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together.